So tonight, I felt to kind of um, hop on this little bandwagon that Pastor John had on Wednesday nights. How many of you know, on Halloween, it was kind of funny, on Halloween, he started a message that said, what are you wearing, right? He said, what are you wearing? And in that message, well, he talked about a lot of great things. I have tons of notes on it. But if I had to recap just a couple of things, he had two scriptures, and Millicent's going to help us out and throw these up. Galatians 2.20 in the New Living Translation. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. So it says that before you can say, what are you wearing? It says, this is the reality, okay? This is the foundation. You once were a slave to sin, but now you're free because of the blood of Jesus. Now you have the ability, the equal opportunity to live free of the chains of sin. And so you have to understand that first before you read what Romans 12, 2 says, which says that don't copy, and this is the New Living Translation. I kind of like the language in it. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Some of you try to make the old person work. You know what I mean? Like I did that for a long time. I just, this is how I am. You know, I got a short temper. Um, I'm impatient. You know, it's just how I am. So I'm just going to try to find a way to kind of manage it. And I'm just going to try to find a way to not blow up in front of the wrong people. You know, uh, and that was, but, it's, but this is saying, no, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. What if we could become a new person? Imagine that, a new person by changing the way that you think. So it says that uh, other versions say be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That says that if you can renew your mind to something, what if you could be recalibrated? What if you could be redialed in to be different? The word of God can do it. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So he talked about what are you wearing? Do you see yourself as a new creation? Do you see yourself wearing the, right, the robe of righteousness, wearing the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness? These are things that, that God has given us that go against the old man. They're things, that can, they're things that take away the excuses. Well, I'm just like, no, you're not. You're righteous because of the blood of Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. You have the ability to sow and reap. You have the ability to call things and lay hold of the promises of God and see them come into your life. And that's what God has done. Those are the new things that we can put on. But how many of you know someone can give you a new robe of righteousness, but if you don't put it on, you're still going to look a lot like the old person. And so there's a real, there's this theme that runs through the Bible of God giving us a gift, but that's only 50% of the deal. We have to receive the gift and put the gift into operation. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And the second message was last Wednesday. And Pastor John, if you remember, how many of you here last week? What are you pursuing was the, was the message. What are you pursuing? So what are you wearing? And now the issue is, you know, he talked about the armor of God in that first one. The, what are you wearing? The armor of God is for the battle. And, and so then he said, what are you pursuing? Now you're suited up, you're ready to go, but what's the goal? I mean, it's like you can't just show up in your uniform and then just say, I don't even know what game we're playing, but, I'm, but I got my football helmet and I you know, got my hockey stick. I mean, I'm ready. You got to know what you're pursuing. And so he, he, he's talked about, and these are some quotes that I just wrote personally that really, maybe you remember these, they really resonate with me. He said, get out into the miracle space. He said, well, what's the miracle space? Get out into that. The miracle space is the gap between our abilities and his abilities. So there's, so there's a moment where you follow God and he extends you beyond your natural ability. He extends you beyond your finances. He extends you beyond your talent. He extends you beyond your patience. And all of a sudden, you're in this land. You're in this in-between season where you've sowed the seed, and now you're waiting for the harvest, and you're just kind of waiting. And so what happens is that's what Pastor John called the miracle space. That's the place where miracles are born. In that space of desperation, we sang tonight, hungry, I'm broken, I come running to you. That's not, that's not a negative confession. That's saying, God, I am done trying to do your plan in my strength. 
I am ready to leverage your ability uh, to do the things that you've called us to do. He said this, miracle moments come as opportunity out of adversity. Miracle moments come out of adversity, right? They, they come as opportunity that comes out of. So if you're in adversity tonight, if you're in adverse situations, if you're in situations where your back's up against the wall, you're in situations where you're frustrated, let down, things haven't been going right, God promised you something and it just hasn't come in your timing, I'm telling you what, you are in the miracle space because if you still believe the promise, then now you're extended beyond your ability to accomplish the promise. We like to try to make it happen, but God just wants us to believe it and posture for it so that he can do it. And that might just be a word for someone specifically tonight. But, but it says, uh, get out into the miracle space. And, then, and I literally wrote this down. I actually typed it in my phone. Am I actually faithfully and obediently serving God? Am I actually pursuing God? How many of you know this culture, this church, and this can just become a lifestyle? It can become a culture, and I work here, so even more so, it can just become a culture. I show up, I do my job, I encourage people, I read the word, do a message here, lead some worship here, and it, just bec- it can be- become like a thing, and everyone's happy, and it looks good on the surface, you know? But how many of you know, if, if you've lost the pursuit on the inside of you, it's what they call going through the motions? Because sometimes we can play in a safe zone and make it seem like it's, it, you know what I mean, like it's faith, but it's really, we just know it's safe. We kind of just, just hold back and... You know, I'll reach for the thing, but I'm not going to let go of the step, you know. And, and so uh, I would just encourage you to ask God that question tonight. You know, am I, am I really pursuing you? And so that was the last two messages he did. And what I found is, and I'm kind of setting you up for tonight's message, sometimes people make Christianity so difficult. Have you ever read an article and it was just like, oh my, that's so heady. That's so just, uh, I, you know, can't this just be easy? Can't this be simple? It is. It is easy because the whole process of following Jesus is like this. First, we seek him. That, that's the first thing we do. We just seek him. We pursue him. We trust him. We follow him. We, I mean, it's like really simple. We just, someone tells us about Jesus, and then just like the disciples, you know, Jesus shows up and said, hey, you're a fisherman. I see that. I want you to be a fisher of men. I want you to follow me. I want you to leave your inheritance. I want you to leave your skill sets. I want you to leave your sphere of influence and your peeps. I want you to come after me. And I really can't tell you. All I know is that son of man doesn't have a place to rest his head, so I'm not really promising you anything comfortable. But, uh, but you are going to be on the front line of miracles, and, and, and it will change your life. And so there's a very simple progression that just simply says when you are introduced to Jesus, you have an opportunity immediately. You have an opportunity to forget about him, or you have an opportunity to seek him. And so the beginning of, of following Jesus is, begins with seeking. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things uh, will be given unto you. This is what it says in Matthew 7, 8. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So we serve a God who has set this up to be found. He's not like playing mouse and cat and mouse with us. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm over here. Oh, oh, no, I'm not here anymore. I mean, he, he wants to be found. He wants to be pursued. And so he says if we do these things, he'll... And then in Jeremiah 29... Very similar thing. It says, in, starting in verse 12, it says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. So in those days when you pray, I will listen. Tonight, if you pray, he listens. He says, if you'll, if you'll look after me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I will be found by you. That's a promise that you can hang your hat on. So we seek him first, and then we see him. So what happens is we want to see God before we seek him. But it's the other way around. You begin to seek him, then what happens is God begins to reveal himself. So you seek him, 
and then you see him. And as you begin to pursue, as the disciples began to follow after Jesus, and they began to get involved with the miracles, and how many know they were, they were confused half the time? They had no idea what was going on. Every time, that just when they thought they got the angle, just when they thought they understood the parable, Jesus would shake it up a little bit and show them it meant something different. So they didn't know, but they were following. They sought after him, and then what happened was they saw miracles. And what happens is God will reveal himself to you really uh, in proportion to the way that you seek him. And sometimes people's problem is they're not seeking God, and so then they just sit there mad and dejected. Well, God didn't show up. You know, I tried that. It didn't work. Well, God, I don't know why God lets bad things happen to good people. I don't know why God just can't, you know, help me find my mate. I don't know why God can't just give me a better job and help me pay. You know, those kind of things. But the Bible says you're not going to see God move in those things until you seek after him. So, so this is what it says in Psalm 18. And I'm just, again, this is just kind of a foundation for where we're going tonight, but in Psalm 18, it says, uh, starting in verse 25, to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. You catch where I'm going with that? To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you, God, meaning God, you, God, show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the wicked, you show yourself hostile. You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. So the, the way that we experience the reality of God's presence has everything to do with the way that we seek him. And so he says, if you seek me, you will find me. And then the third thing that happens as we begin to see him, we, we begin to trust him, we begin to follow him, then he fills us. And that's the difference. See, this is not just, you know, what we believe is not just a philosophy. It's not like at the end of the day, you know, the gold star for us is that we just stumbled upon the best philosophy. And we can argue everybody else under the table about it. And we can quote scripture and verse to tell everyone why we got it all figured out. But that's not the point of the God that we serve. We seek him, we see him, and then he fills us. And he fills us so that we can follow him and do the things that he's called us to do. Why do we need to be filled? Because the things that he's called us to do are beyond us. You've heard me say it, you've heard others say it. If you're, if you're overwhelmed tonight by the, the inklings of the things that you feel like God has put on your heart to do, good, you should feel overwhelmed about it because you can't do it in your own strength. You need him to do it, and he likes it that way. So tonight, what is your superpower? Anybody, any comic book readers when you were kids who had comic books? No, really. Come on, proudly. Let's see. I know there's more of you than two. How many read comic books? We're getting better and better. Okay. I got exposed to comic books at piano lessons. I started piano lessons in second grade, and when you'd have to sit on the couch and wait for the student ahead of you to finish, I would read, you know, uh, Archie and Richie Rich and, and, and all the, yeah, some of the older ones and some of the, and, and so, you know, I kind of got familiar with some of the superheroes. We're going to talk tonight about what is your superpower. So think about it in that terms. What is your superpower? Here's some questions to ask yourself as we kind of get into this tonight. Do you believe that God can do anything that God's called you to do? I mean, three. Do you really? I mean, that's a huge question to wrap your mind around. Do you believe that God can do through you anything that he's called you to do? The second question, is there a good fight that you're pursuing? We talked about that a minute ago. What are you pursuing? I mean, at the end of the day, it can't be about just, well, I just hope I get my utility bills paid and I hope I got enough food on the table and I hope I can eventually get a nicer car and better house, and uh, man, then I'll just be happy. And as long as my job stays secure and they don't downsize, whew, and then someday I'm going to retire, and money's just going to come in, and I'm going to fit. I mean, it's, there's got to be more than that. Those are great things. Those are great desires to have, but there's got to be a pursuit. And then what are the obstacles to the good fight? You know, if you know that God's called you to a good fight, if you know that he's caused, called you to a pursuit following him, you also have to be honest with yourself. What are the obstacles? 
You know, for me, I had asked myself, why is it so hard to read the words sometimes? Why do I get so distracted? Why do I forget and put it down and go do something else? Why do I fall asleep when I read it? And what, what are the obstacles? What are the obstacles to the things that God's called me to do? Instead of just being frustrated, just really writing down, going, you know, these are obstacles that I perceive are getting in the way that I'm going to need some wisdom to know how to get around these things so I can serve God. And here, and perhaps one of the most important questions, how do you feel about yourself? It's important to say how you feel about God, but at the end of the day, you're only going to be as mobilized as you feel about yourself because con- that confidence comes in from who you believe you are in light of who he is and how much you trust him to help you. At the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself, how do you see yourself? How do you deal with your strengths? Do you deal with them arrogantly? And confidently, do you, do you deal with them in a way that just says, God, I got this. Thanks, but I'll call you if I need you. I got this one. I'm good. I'm trained. Went to school for this. Got a degree to prove it. How do we deal with our weaknesses? Oh, man, this is like the thousandth time I've sinned in this area. This is the thousandth time I've thrown the cigarettes out the window and then drove back and got them. I did that once. <laughs> Those are expensive. That's not good stewardship. <laughs> you know? I mean, oh man, I just a thousand times. And then the end of the day, God says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call, call you to do that. I believe that I'm going to use you to let people know how amazing my son is. Uh, I'm going to, you know, and they're like, oh, seriously though, there's people in this town who know me. <laughs> there's people that know where I've been. You know, there's people who would laugh. if they, There's people who wouldn't get me. Those are the kind of things we wrestle with. But at the end of the day, what is God saying? He wouldn't say something. He wouldn't joke around. He wouldn't say something that you can't do. Those are some of the questions that we have to ask ourselves. And you got to believe at the end of the day, are you a superhero or not? He has empowered us and he has called us to do amazing things. Big things. Big things. Bigger than we've even seen yet. And, and all we need to do is seek him and see him and be filled by him and then believe in our hearts that we have something on the inside of us that causes us to be like a superhero. Now, I want you to open up in Romans 8. And this is where I talk about just loving the word of God. Man, I'm just reading this today and oh, I just love this just reading this stuff and letting it pour over you, it just begins to change the way you think. Romans 8, 1 through 17, I'm going to again be reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this, So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So right off the bat, that's one of your, your excuses gone. No feeling bad about yourself. No kicking the ground saying, man, I wish things could have been different. Wish I wouldn't have done that. Wish I wouldn't have hurt those people. Doesn't matter. Today's a new day. It's mercy's a new every day. It's redo. Start over. And so there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the real issue is not what you've done or what could have condemned you, but the issue is, are you in Christ Jesus? And if you're not in Christ Jesus tonight, we'll give you an opportunity to be in Christ Jesus tonight. <clears throat> but that's the beginning. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So we belong to us. The essence, the love of the gospel is this. We belong to God. We ran away. We messed things up. He purchased our ransom. He made it possible for us to be in right relationship with him. And so now because that we belong to him, the Holy Spirit has given us new life. Say with me, new life and power. Yeah, you got to say it like this, empower. That's right, that's better. Verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Check that out. The law is limited. God did what the law could not do. God sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So he didn't just give us the power to obey the rules. How many rule followers are in the house? 
<clears throat> like your personality. Like, I'm a rule follower. I just am, believe it or not. I'm, I just, you know, I, I follow the rules. I generally, I feel safe. Are, seriously, you all a bunch of rebels. <laughs> I know you're a rule follower because you say, hey, that's not right. Well, who says we're right? Who says what fair is? You got a rule book? So you're a rule follower. So th- he didn't give us just the power to follow the rules, but he gave us the power over the very thing that caused there to be rules in the first place. He gave us power over the sin nature that caused us to have to have rules so that we wouldn't blow ourselves up and everyone around us, you know? And so uh, in verse 4, he said, he did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Do you understand that you were born into a sin nature? It's not like you were a little baby and you just cried too many times and so you became a sinner. You were born into a system like communism. You were born into a system that you had nothing to do with it. You are just born into it and you were a sinner. And there was immediately a divide between you and God. Now, God loved you, but there was a barrier that caused it to not be, to not be able to flow and connect with God. You could know about him, but you don't know him. And so what happens is he sent Jesus, and it was always the blood. It was the blood of animals, and then it became the blood of Jesus. The blood was the thing that would cause God to forgive and forget about a sin. And so that's what Jesus did once and for all to do that for us. If you're new to the gospel, uh, others, some of you are like, I've heard that a million times. Great. Here a million more. But some of you maybe not even know, because some of you might be thinking, well, if I just light, the, light enough candles, if I, just, if I just, you know, say the right thing, if I just go to church enough, you know, I'll be okay. I'm telling you right now, that has nothing to do with anything. Those are great things to do if you love Jesus. But the, but the real power comes when, when you allow Jesus to come into your life and say, I'm going to accept the gift of your blood to cover over my sin so that I can now go forward like I had never sinned, even though I did and even though I'll sin again, but I can live with the kind of confidence as one who has never sinned that God hears my prayers, that he accepts me, that he lo- I mean, that's the love of the gospel. That's why it's called good news because we couldn't do it in our own strength. But I got to go on for time here. Five, those are, verse five, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Some of you are so stinking frustrated that you keep thinking about bad stuff. Well, if you're thinking about bad stuff over and over and over again and you just can't seem to convince yourself to stop, there, there might be a problem here. You might not be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. See, it says that the Holy Spirit of God will literally begin to change the way you think. He'll control your things. He'll begin to set you in a motion that pleases the Spirit. Now, you still have to do it. You have to be willing, but he is the force that goes behind that. So that kind of, and what happens then is the Holy Spirit takes control of your life. He begins to put godly desire. So much of the problems that we have as people are because we're chasing the wrong desire. We see something on TV. We lust after something. We, we think of something. We think, man, I've got to have that. And if I don't have it, I can't be happy. And, and then we begin to pursue that thing. And if it's not God, then it's not for us. So what do we do? We've got to break the law to get it because there's no easy way to do it. And next thing you know, you're in jail for the rest of your life because you're pursuing the wrong desire. Sounds like that cable TV commercial. You know what I'm talking about? The no one? Okay. Psalm 37 says he gives you the desires of your heart. So when you start to follow Jesus, what happens is he'll begin. We prayed it. Remember we prayed, we said, God, would you just cause me to love this word, right? Cause me to want to seek after it. He puts godly desire on the inside of us and causes us to pursue the right things. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. So if you keep carrying that around with you, you're constantly going to be bucking up against who God is. Let's skip down for time. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living on the inside of you. 
The same, I mean, raised God from the dead, the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives on the inside of us. He's filled us. And I'm going to go to verse 17, and the ushers are going to come because we're going we're to partake in communion tonight briefly, and, and then we'll just finish up this message after communion. But uh, it says in verse 17, since we are all his children, we are his heirs. You know what an heir is? That's somebody who has an inheritance, right? So if I leave money to my children, they are my heirs, and they then will receive an inheritance. God has said that since we're his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But, and how many of you know, there's always a but. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And tonight, one of the things about communion that we identify with is we identify with two parts of who Jesus was. We identify with him in the body, which is the bread, and we'll take that shortly. And we identify him in the blood. And, and, and in those two things, we're identifying with kind of a bitter and sweet. We're identifying with his ability to cause us to be victorious. But we're also dealing with the fact that living this thing, there's an element of suffering that's involved. Now, I always thought suffering meant that horrible things are going to happen to me and I'm just going to have to be okay about it because I'm suffering for the Lord. That's not suffering. Suffering is when you deny yourself. Suffering is when you deny yourself the right to have everything go the way you want it to go. Suffering is when you deny yourself to have everybody like you. Suffering is when you deny yourself the, the comforts of doing certain things that aren't in God's plan for your life. Suffering means that you choose his way over your way. And Jesus was our living example. I mean, he, he could, it seems like God could have done it any way. I mean, he's God after all. It seems like he could have fixed sin any way that he wanted to, but he chose to send his very best. He sent Jesus. And so when we, when we celebrate communion, we're celebrating the, the life of Jesus, but we're also celebrating the death of Jesus because in that is the entrance for us to have this kind of new life. And so as we're just passing it out, let me talk about the bread. You know, there's so many different ways. There's so many, this is so rich what we do. We're identifying with the bread. We're identifying with the body of Christ. You know, he took that bread, he broke it, and he says, eat of my body. And he was saying a couple of things. One, we know in scripture that the, that, that the word is the bread of life, that Jesus is the bread of life and his word is, is sustenance to us. So in the bread is everything that we need. Say that, say everything that I need comes from the bread of life. But we also know that the bread represents his body, and his body was broken. And there's a brokenness. We sang it in that song earlier. There's a brokenness that comes from realizing, I need God to live the life that he has called me to live. And there's a reality that says, grace is free, but it's not cheap. There's a reality that says, grace costs Jesus everything, and I, and I sure as heck am going to believe that it's going to cost me something too. Grace means Getting over yourself, grace means following after God. Grace means accepting the free gift that he's given us so that we can follow him victoriously. Do you all have some elements tonight? So, so let's celebrate. I don't have any. Somebody bring me some. <sighs> yeah. This guy's new. We're trying him out tonight. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> so Jesus broke the bread. When you eat this, you're identifying with my body. You're identifying with my ability to give you everything that you need, but you're also identifying with the suffering that, that is a part of really being successful. If you're an Olympic athlete and you, and you have the hopes of going to the, to the Olympics, wouldn't you be foolish to think that it's not ever going to hurt along the way, training? You know, there's a reality check that says if anything that's valuable has a cost to it. If, if something doesn't cost you anything, it's probably not worth anything. And so tonight, we say, you know what? I identify with Jesus and I'm willing. So if that's you tonight... Let's receive the bread together.
through the blood, he gave us the opportunity to identify with his ability to fix our mess, to fix our sin. The blood is the, is the symbol of the covenant. The covenant says that God belongs to us. We belong to him. We are in a, in a mutual relationship where everything that I have belongs to God, and he has made everything that he has available to me. There's nothing that the blood of Jesus can't accomplish. The blood is strong. The blood is pure. The blood will wipe away the sin. It will take away the mess. It will take away the hurts. It's a covenant that says I'm going to allow God in every room of my life so that he can make things right and make things new. And if you don't understand, if it seems like just motions, then ask him tonight to show you what this is. Ask him to show you how it, how it applies to your life. So let's take the blood tonight. And just in this voice together, just shut your eyes for half a second. We got just a little bit of the word left, but let's all together agree on what this means tonight when we say that you make all things new. You make all pray for every person here just in this moment that we have. I pray, Lord, for encouragement. I pray for people who have just, all they can think about is the thousand times they've fallen. But I thank you, Micah 7 says, we fall, though we fall, we shall arise. And this is, this is an opportunity in identifying with your body and identifying with your blood. This is an opportunity to have a do-over. This is an opportunity to start over and to realize that your desire is that we would seek you, that we would see you, and that you would fill us to do the things calls to do. Let's all say together, amen. Thanks, John. Give John a hand. <laughs> superheroes. Who remembers any of them? Somebody throw out some names of superheroes. Who remembers? Superman, okay. La- anybody? Louder? Wonder Woman? Spider-Man? Batman? See, there's way more of you that know about comic books than raise your hands. Wonder Woman? Okay, so, so what was the deal? They had some kind of superpower, which was very cool. What was actually more compelling about superheroes was not what their power was, but what their weakness was. Most of them, if not all of them, had a weakness. Do you remember? And I, I got some guys that are going to help me. You guys can come on up. They had some weaknesses. Now, what was the Man of Steel, Superman? What was his weakness? These guys are going to help us with something visual here because I, I don't know about you, but I remember stuff when it's visual. Kryptonite, right? So Superman was amazing, but man, if that kryptonite comes, boom. And many times the excitement of the story wasn't about a superhero strength, but it was about what's he going to do now that someone's holding kryptonite, right? So there was a weakness. What, what was, anybody know Wonder Woman's weakness? Well, she had those bracelets that stopped gunshots, but if, but if someone chained them together, if she was bound with her bracelets, she became powerless, Right? And then there was a lasso, remember the lasso? And she wrapped the lasso, you had to what? Tell the truth. Right, good, good. So, but if someone used the lasso on her somehow, then she lost her superpowers. But um, I've got some friends here, and, and we're going to talk about our mortal known vulnerabilities. Did you know that you and I have known vulnerabilities? Now, unlike the superheroes, there's an answer for ours. Superman, there wasn't anything you can do. I mean, kryptonite, it is what it is because it sells comic books. But in our lives, we have known vulnerabilities, but the good news is there's an answer to them. And so these guys, I've asked these guys to help, and um, 
I basically, as I was, as I was thinking today, and I kind of came at this backwards from the scripture we're going to end up in, but I realized there's three kind of vulnerabilities that I think that we all kind of share. They're things that doesn't mean that every single day we fall to them, but just means they're vulnerabilities. They're areas of our life where if we're not seeking, seeing, and being filled by God, they're I- opportunities that will hold us back and, and at the very worst will try to destroy our lives. And, and the first one, and one of them is who's going to be sin here? You, you want to be sin? The man in black here will make him sin. So what happens is, um, okay, I'll just, all right, I'll trust you, all right. So uh, what happens with sin, sin is like gravity, you know, it's like God has given us, you know, we've been talking about how he's destroyed that sin nature and he's overcome it and everything, but sin's still there. And it's still an issue that we have to deal with every single day. I like to think about sin being like gravity. It's like, I mean, you can resist it and you should resist it, but if you don't and you just kind of get lazy, sin just kind of pulls you back in. And so what will happen is, you know, you're, you're thinking one day, you know, um, you know, I, I, I really want to I really want to go to church. You know, I feel like my life's a mess and I really want to go to church. And somebody calls up and says, hey, we're, we're going clubbing tonight. You, you got to come, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go to church. But then this thing just keeps pulling me back, you know, and it's that sin in your life. It's, that, it's that, those opportunities where we're vulnerable, you know, and then what happens is, so that's one area of our lives where just overnight, man, you can be doing great. And all of a sudden, man, something happens in the arena of sin and you've got a setback. You've got consequences. You feel bad about yourself. All kinds of things can happen. Then there's fear. Who wants to be fear? Mike Lamana, you don't look like you're afraid of anything, but I'll let you be fear. So then fear comes. And, and, and see, if you don't deal with these things, you're just like, hey, this is just how I am. You know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't like, you know, I, I don't like, I'm afraid of public speaking. I'm afraid of people. I, I'm afraid of being in situations where I don't know everybody. And so, and so what happens is God says, hey, you know, I want you to go to church. I, I want you to go sign up for, you know, I want you to go to that men's breakfast coming up. And you say, yeah, I should do that because I really need some godly friends. And I know, man, iron sharpens iron. I'm going to go. And so I'm going to that men's breakfast. And then, oh, man, that, oh, I don't know, man. What if I don't know who to sit with? I don't really know anybody, man. And I, I mean, if they, some of those guys there even know. Some of the, there's a guy who's a cop who, who goes to our church, man. He knows all about my rap sheet, man. I'm not going to, you laugh, but it's true. People have walked in the door and walked right back out at the beginning of service. Whoa, worn out for my arrest. I am out. It happened. That just tells me we got the right people coming to our church. Amen. And then the last one is ignorance. That sounds kind of funny, but I'm not really being silly about it. Ignorance. You know, people perish for lack of knowledge, right? And so what happens is you, sorry, Shane, but you're ignorance. (laughs) Somebody had to be it. And ignorance just simply says you don't know. You know, you just don't know what's going on. And so what happens is this is Corey Kent trying to just be Corey Kent, a nice guy. You know, I just want to do the right thing. I don't wake up in the morning and want to mess things up. I don't wake up in the morning and want to hurt people. But I get up in the morning and I, you know, God, things are going good right now. I'm comfortable. Life's good. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go. I know how to do this. I'm a good guy. You know what I mean? I try to do the right thing and people like me and life is good. And so then he says, you know, um, Corey, you know, and I, it's kind of weird because I work here, but he says, Corey, uh, I'm getting ready for a career change. Not prophesying or anything, but he'll just say, I got to, you know what, uh, you know, the job that you're in is great, but I just feel like, you know, it's not really what you're called to do for the season. So I want you to go take this job. And so then you say, you know what, you pray on it and, and people encourage you and you got some good friends around you. I say, yeah, I'm going to go, you know what, it's time to get out from this comfort zone and I'm going to go take this job. And, and the first thing that happens is you begin to walk and it's like, but then the fear sets in. I'm going to make a dollar less an hour. I'm going to make $2 less an hour. Oh man, I can't even afford the childcare that it's, and so next thing, well, man, I better not do that, you know, and, and, uh, and, and what will people People think, you know, what people think if I just, I don't even know that job. I, I don't even, I don't even go to school for that thing. How am I, how am I, and what happens? And you don't deal with this stuff and you just kind of go, well, that's just, is what it is. 
I mean, that's just who I am. How far can I? Oh. <laughs> I didn't really see the rating on this. That's what they call a trust fall, right? We didn't do that at the advanced overnight, but we could have. And so what we begin to, wh- this is what happens. We begin to size up everything that God tells us to do by whatever our vulnerabilities are. Well, I can do this just so as long as I don't have to do that because that sin, I'm not really willing to stop going into that place and hanging with those people, but I really love God and I love victory, but I just, I'm not ready to give that up. You know, and after all, those people need me and I'm going to reach out to those people, you know, and and so we say, I'm going to go be who God called me to be, but then that thing just keeps, and then we end up back here and we're frustrated because man, it happened again. You know, do you identify with what I'm saying? But this is what happens. We seek God. We begin to see God. It builds our faith, builds our encouragement, who he is. And then what happens is he begins to fill us up, right? And do you know what he fills us with? He fills us up with what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? God's not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us what? Power, right? Love. What's he given us? A sound mind. He's, I mean, I didn't just figure that out. I didn't muster that up. He gave that to me. It's a free gift. He put it on the inside of me. And so I begin to get a hold of that scripture, and I begin to follow him. And pretty soon I'm going, you know what? I can do whatever the heck God tells me to do. I, I don't care if I went to school. If he tells me I'm supposed to go be in this profession, I'm going to go sign an app. And then I'm going to ask the smartest person there to train me. And I'm going to be the best employee they ever had, and they're going to be crazy to let me go. And I say, you know what? I used to be afraid of that thing, but you know what? My God is bigger than that. He says his perfect love casts out all fear. And I've been spending so much time in his word that, man, his love just gets, it's like I feel like a new person. All of a sudden, I'm like, what's the worst that's going to happen? What, am I going to lose my money? Is that, that's the, that's the worst thing that will happen? Really, devil? That's the best you got? I might lose my house. Really? Well, then God will just have to provide a place for me to stay. But I'm not going to stop following him for fear of those things. Like, the, who wants to live that life? But we do it, you know, we do it because we're so convinced that these things are irrefutable. These things are just, they, it, it is what it is, as they say. But when you get a hold of a scripture like 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power. He's given us power to conquer sin. He's given us the power to stand in faith when you're in that miracle space season. He's given us the power to endure the storms. And that says he's given us love. The Bible says the love casts out all fear. You got fear, you just got to stop meditating on the fear. Meditate on the love of God. Father, thank you that you love me, that you've called me according to your purpose and that you're able to turn all things around for good because I love you, you know? And that love, that love is not only to receive, but he gives us the love shed abroad in our hearts to go extend love and mercy and forgiveness to people. Some of you, there's only one thing holding you back and that's just not forgiving somebody. You got, all, you got the makings of a champion. You, you've learned the word. You, you've got, you, you got great friends. You've got things that are going on. But somebody back there did something, and you're letting them lease space in your head, you know, for free, free rent. And, then, and because of that unforgiveness, God, it's just like it's, that's a rope. And every time you want to love someone, there's that part of you that says, but what if they hurt me like that person did, you know? And, and so what happens is then what do we do? We think, we're, we think we're damaging them. We think we're hurting them by being unforgiving. But what, who's got the rope on their leg? We do. And so when we grab a hold, that perfect love casts out all fear. We grab a hold of that. And then we have a sound mind. That doesn't just mean we don't go crazy, although that's part of it. We have a sound mind. Some of you feel like, maybe feel like you're crazy tonight. Maybe feel like you've been through so much that you don't even know how to look at things correctly. The Bible says you have a sound 
mind. You wake up in the morning, don't get off your meds, don't, don't do anything crazy, just wake up in the morning and say, I have a sound mind. Thank you, Jesus, that my mind is sound today. Thank you, Lord, that when I meet people, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe the best about them. I'm not going to see their weakness. I'm not going to criticize them. Thank you that today I'm not going to believe wrong things about myself. I'm not going to view my past through my failures. I'm going to view my future through your goodness. And, and so we just, we begin to, you know, we begin to retrain the way we think. And so, and you guys can go down. Thank you so much. And so, and so what happens is we grab a hold of that scripture and we become new. We become new. So if you don't like where you've been, good news. You get to be new. You get to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All things, old things have passed. All things become new. And would you stand up tonight? I want to pray for you. And we're going to pray these things over ourselves. But before we do, I want to know if there's anybody tonight that doesn't know Jesus. I mean, you know who he is, but, I mean, you know about him, but you don't know him, right? Some of you know me, but you don't know me because we haven't spent any time together. How many of you know of Jesus, but you don't know Jesus? How many of you don't know for sure that, that you would go to heaven tonight if something happened to your life? And I don't mean to be so blunt about that, but that's the reality. that says if, if literally if my life ended tonight, am I just hoping to get into heaven because I was a pretty good person and I tried hard? Because Mother Teresa didn't think she was a very great person, and I sure as heck don't have nearly as many things going on in my life that Mother Teresa did, you know? Um, if you're that person here tonight and you say, I don't really know Jesus, or there's something that's been holding me back, I just re- throw your hand up real quick. Let's just all pray for a second. Just shut your eyes and let's pray for these people. I think there's some people here tonight who, who don't know Jesus. Yeah, there's, there's a hand. Anybody else that just say, you know, I don't, yeah, there's a hand. Boom, there's a hand. Thank you. You know, maybe you've even been coming to church for a while, but you've just been, maybe you've been researching. But now you're ready that this is the night. This can be your night that changes everything forever. So let's pray right now. If you're that person who raised your hand, would you repeat after me? And we're all going to repeat it with you. Father, I received the love of Jesus in this place tonight. I ask for the love of God to flow into my heart and cause all things to be new. I now believe and I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And with the best ability that I have, and with God's help, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to care more about him than myself. And I'm going to be filled by his love to overflowing. Now, Father, I pray for every single person here tonight. Lord, I thank you for the, for the power of, of love that conquers all fear in this place tonight. If you've been struggling with fear in your life, go ahead and raise your hand. Let's just pray for you, just right where you're at. Father, we thank you for the love of God which casts out all fear. We just all agree as believers that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so tonight, whatever it is that we're afraid of, we just confess that you are more than enough. We confess that there is nothing that man can do to us because if our God is for us, who can be against us? Thank you for situations that just seem unrealistic to be solved. Pray tonight for supernatural breakthrough and the love of God that covers every sin. Lord, tonight we pray for your power over our lives, the power that causes us to not sin, 
the power that causes us to do a 180, to repent. If you've got sin in your life, if you've got things that have just been driving you nuts because you just can't seem to get around it, raise your hands and just worship him. Let's say, Father, thank you for the power of God that causes me to make good decisions the power of God that causes me to believe the right things about situations, the power that causes me to say no when the enemy comes to my door and tries to entice me. Lord, we thank you tonight that your power is greater than the pull, the gravity of any sin in our lives. And tonight we pray. How many of you need prayer for your mind? You've been thinking wrong thoughts. Maybe you've been afraid. Maybe you've had a critical spirit about things. Maybe you've had a wrong attitude about where you're at in life. Lord, we thank you right now for all these hands. We just pray that we have a sound mind. We confess it. Put your hands on your heads right now and say, I declare that I have a sound mind. I choose to love. I choose to forgive. I choose to honor. And I choose to believe the best about everybody that I come into contact with. I choose to believe that I am in my season, that I'm in the kingdom of God for such a time as this. And I will see God accomplish everything that he said he would accomplish and more. In Jesus' name we pray. And so now I just pray for all of us, Lord. I thank you, Father, that as this week, as we go out in this place, Lord, would you give us hearts that seek after you? Would you create opportunities, good, bad, and ugly, whatever it takes, man, bring us into opportunities where we see your goodness where we see breakthrough, where we see turnaround. And this week, God, would you fill us up to overflowing? We know that we have the Holy Spirit, but would you cause us to posture ourselves, to break off the chains and to be willing to follow after you so that we can receive the filling that comes from the Holy Spirit, the empowering that causes us to walk victoriously in every area of our life. And all God's people, victorious people said, amen, amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.